Oregon's offensive line figures to be its strongest unit in 2022, and the future at that position looks bright with Josh Connerly there, but there's a name that is in the transfer portal the Ducks should be looking at. I'll tell you who that is today. Plus, later on, I've got John Garcia Jr., the director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated, and we will talk about Josh Connerly's commitment and the update on the pursuits of Jaden Wayne and Jaden Rashada for Oregon football. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view. If you're watching on YouTube every day, it's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source, the absolute best spot to stay up to date with the Ducks every single weekday. Like and subscribe if you have not already. Leave a nice comment on Apple Podcasts, five-star reviews. We like those. Comments on YouTube, always welcome and appreciated. Love engagement here on the show. You know what else I I've loved over the last several years with Oregon football that I hope continues having a good offensive line. That's been something that has really won Oregon a lot of games over the last several years. And it's, you know, not always the flashiest position. It's not going to get, you know, as much hype or guys are not as well known, perhaps a lot of the time as, you know, a quarterback or receiver or guys who actually carry the ball, but no running back is anything without a good offensive line. And so I will give plenty of love for all you offensive line lovers out there. And I know you exist. One of my good friends, Alex, is definitely that way. Always like seeing the big fellows get love. I will give them their fair share of attention here on the show. I've been doing that this week with Josh Connerly. Understandably so. Highest rated offensive line commit in program history. Yeah. And I will get to him later with uh, with John Garcia Jr. And his relatively low weight compared to other offensive linemen. He's only 283 pounds. Yet John doesn't feel that's going to be an issue. We'll get to that a little later. But right now, offensive line depth, I think after this season is looking a little bit thin with Dennis and Jeff Jeffers leaving the program. It kind of creates some question marks at the offensive line position after this year. I think this is going to be a great Ducks offensive line one of the best we've seen in the last several years because last year was one of the best we've seen and they're only losing one one starter from that group. So I, I think they're going to be a tremendously talented bunch, but it doesn't mean that they shouldn't always be looking to get better. It's something I talk about pretty regular, regularly here on the show. Just because you're good or deep or talented at one position doesn't mean you shouldn't still look to get even better, bring in more competition. You never know when injuries are going to strike, right? Going into last season, I didn't think linebackers would be an issue. I didn't think we needed more depth there. And then Noah Sewell was in and out of the lineup. Justin Flo got hurt. And then there were just, it was one on top of the other. And at a physical position like offensive line, you always want to have depth. And the guy who just might be able to give Oregon a little bit of depth in the trenches on the offensive side of the ball, his name is Clay Webb. He's in the transfer portal. Where is he coming from? Drum roll, please. The University of Georgia. So there's at least some semblance of history there with Dan Lanning. Now, I haven't seen any indications as of now the Ducks are making an aggressive pursuit after him, but I think they should. He's 6'3", 290 pounds, not a huge guy, but was a five-star offensive line recruit coming out of high school. He's a center, by the way, which after left tackle is the most important position on the offensive line. Some people might argue that it's center because they make all the calls and they're you know sort of the quarterback of the, the big boys up front. But 
He's got three years of eligibility left, and this will be his one-time transfer. He's in the portal. I think Oregon should be going after him because there are a lot of guys on this line who after this season are either going to be going pro or are going to be out of eligibility or both for, for some of those guys, right? So I, I think that it's a position of, I don't want to say like desperation or you know great need or anything, but if the Ducks were able to go get this guy, I think it would do a lot to you know start to set in stone what the offensive line will look like in the coming years. Obviously, Connerly is going to be there. We'll see how much he plays this season. It'll depend on injuries, right? If you know a TJ Bass or uh, you know, or if Alex Forsyth, Ryan Walk, TJ Bass, if those sorts of guys are not healthy, and with offensive linemen that can happen all the time, you get rolled up on, you just you know, wear and tear because you're taking big physical hits all the time from blitzing linebackers and going toe to toe with defensive linemen. Like it, it's one of those positions like running back on the offensive side of the ball, as I've talked about here on the pod, that just kind of has a lot of injuries. And so it's one place where you want to have as much depth as you possibly can. And obviously he being a highly rated recruit and being a signal caller on the offensive line is something that that jumps out to me. And he's got the past history there with, with Dan Lanning, which you know, I don't know how close they were, but he at least knows who Lanning is, right? Just because you play on the offensive side of the ball doesn't mean you, you know, never talk to or never get any instruction whatsoever from the defensive coordinator. He wasn't his primary coach, obviously, but I, I think that when you consider that, it's the reason that I, I think this should be a top target for for the Ducks because they're they're really strong up front this year. I've got a lot of confidence in the offensive line without question. I see it being Oregon's best unit on either side of the ball. It's going to be Oregon's best unit, but in the coming years, it's a little bit more of a question mark right now. And yes, Dave Uli is there and Josh Connerly is there. And I think Dawson Jeremiah, I don't think he's a senior yet. So there are some names to be thrown around for sure. But anytime you could, I mean, you could have potentially two five stars on the offensive line for 2023 if Dan Lang is able to convince him to come over. Now, the, the issue is that Clay Webb, the guy that I'm talking about here, does have one thing that might stop him from coming to Oregon, and I'll tell you what that is after I tell you about Bilt Bar. You know I love the mint brownie, but there's just a bunch of great flavors. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're not a protein bar. Right? Most protein bars taste a little bit like a protein bar. These ones just taste like a treat, happen to be good for you. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, Four net carbs, 17 grams of protein. You know, that that's why they're in my golf bag, Duck fans. Head to the website today. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. That is promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. So the thing that Clay Webb might have hesitancy about with regards to coming to Oregon is the likelihood he would play this season, probably pretty slim because Alex Forsyth, who is not practicing at least regularly right now, coming off of a little bit of an injury that he's nursing, he's the starting center if 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 the Ducks' offensive line is fully healthy. And Ryan Walk is there as well. Now Walk is, I believe, a guard by by trade. Like that's what he he typically plays. I think he's played a little bit of tackle as well. You know, he's a guy who's moved around the offensive line a lot in the last couple of years. So even if Clay Webb were to come in and Dan Lanning, you know, has the prior history with him, likes him and says, yeah, you're going to get a chance to compete here. I doubt he would be able to beat out Alex Forsyth because Forsyth is a good center and also has just more experience in that sense. So you'd be the pitch to Clay Webb, essentially, if you're Dan Lanning and Adrian Clem, the offensive line, 
offensive line coach. And again, I don't know if they're looking at this heavily, but I think they should be. That's why I'm talking about it here on the show. The pitch to him is, look, this year, if if Forsyth is not able to be healthy, then you're probably a guy who's going to get some some serious snaps at center. Remember, there's a five-star offensive line recruit at you know the, the position that's snapping the ball of the quarterback. So it's not as if he wasn't a high-caliber guy. He just hasn't been able to play as much as he's wanted to since going to play for Kirby Smart at, at Georgia. So the pitch to him would be, look, if Forsyth is not able to be healthy and he's was in and out of the lineup a lot last year as well, then you would be our center. And after this year, which I believe is Forsyth's last year of eligibility in college football, you'd be the starting center next year. There's probably a school that could give a guy who was this highly touted of a recruit with three years of eligibility left. They could probably make a better offer. I still think it's worth it for for Oregon to pursue him because I just I like having depth up front. I, I really, really do. As I've been saying, a lot of injuries up there. And we, we saw that with Forsyth last year and Walk had to start at center a couple of times and just moving guys around. And so if you had another body in there who's a high caliber player. I think Clay Webb could be a logical addition because he went to Georgia. That's the biggest reason that, 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 that he caught my eyes. I was like, Oh boy, this is not just an offensive line recruit. This is a Georgia offensive line recruit. So I hope the ducks are going to be able to get him, but we'll just have to monitor that as time goes on. I caught up earlier with John Garcia, Jr. He's the director of recruiting for sports illustrated. Absolutely love this guy. He's going to be a regular on the show and I know you will enjoy it. So let's not waste any more time and get to my conversation with John. Great to be joined now on the pod by John Garcia, Jr. He is the Director of Recruiting for Sports Illustrated, our newest recruiting insider here at the Locked On Network. John, it's great to have you here at Locked On, and it's great to have you on Locked On Ducks as well. And Looking forward to this being the first of many appearances here on the show to talk all things recruiting on the football side. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. You know, there's a lot of excitement, obviously, in Eugene, and things are, have been pretty nice there lately, I hear. Yeah, no, I I have definitely not been complaining about the lack of recruiting wins, so to speak. Apparently, there was a small segment of Duck fans who were saying like, oh, we missed out on Nico. And then we missed out on Agude, the transfer from UCLA. And then we missed out and they were worried about the recruiting of the staff. And then they land probably the biggest commitment in the class of 2022 for the Ducks, Josh Connerly, the offensive lineman. I want to ask you a couple things about him, but let's just start with you know, the, the basic upfront stuff, what makes him such a highly rated recruit in this class of 2022? Well, it's just the position, right? I mean, a guy who can play left tackle, like pretty much day one, which is probably a prelude to a question I'm going to answer later for you, it is really rare to find in, in, in any class. Um, and, and I think his location being a Pacific Northwest guy, I think added some juice to the, the need and the desire and not to mention his recruitment extending so long. So I do think all of those things factor in, but at the base level, Josh Conway has the frame. He's got the athleticism to be an impact guy immediately for the ducks. And I think every single school in the mix for him saw something like that. It's why everybody basically reserved the spot, even though he took his recruitment longer than literally every single uh, 2022 recruit that, that came before him. So a uh, heck of a way to splash there in, in the end. Uh, and I think a strong indication of, of the ceiling of this coaching staff under Dan Lanning and some of the assistance that, that he has assembled is starting to wake people up uh, from, from a national perspective. So I think on and off the field, Josh Connerly is, is a heck of a grab for Oregon, um, especially with who you beat to get him right at, at the 11th hour coming up against USC. So all things went in the right direction for Connerly. And I think you're going to see 
near immediate returns on that investment. Yeah, when he announced his final six around, I, I think the, the turn of the calendar year, the Ducks like squeaked their way into into the top six schools. It was going to be five, and then Oregon kind of just you know finagled their way, and they were barely in. But this was definitely a, a surprise to many. But looking at at the guy himself, you talked about how he can you know, maybe slide in and start right away. It actually might be tough at Oregon because the offensive line is returning a lot of guys from last year and is probably the strongest unit on either side of the ball for the Ducks, and they will be very, very strong this year. At least I expect them to be, and they were a season ago. They basically carried Oregon to a lot of victories. Connerly, 6'5", 283 pounds, doesn't weigh as much as, you know, like a, a Panay Sewell, which is who he, of course, amongst Duck fans, is going to draw conclusions or uh, comparisons to, rather, because... Panay Sewell came in as a highly rated four-star, started right away, and the offense was literally statistically worse when he was not on the field. So at just 283 pounds, first of all, one of the reasons his recruitment was late was that he was playing basketball. And I would love to see I – I got to track down the highlights of 6'5", 283 playing basketball because I don't know how you move <laughs> that guy around in, in the paint. But 283 for an offensive lineman is a little bit on the lighter side. Is the expectation that he'll have to bulk up to reach his full potential? Well, luckily uh, for him, you know, he's going to a big time school from a strength and conditioning and performance and nutrition standpoint at Oregon. Uh, and you mentioned the reason why he's 283. He played basketball for four years, uh, but that's done, right? He's all focused on football at this point. So that 283 is, is probably already a, a bit short uh, of where Connerly will be. I, I would imagine when the season begins, he'll be well north of. 290 pounds and much closer to 300 pounds overall, which is kind of the casual threshold that we look for in talking about offensive linemen. But yeah, watch the basketball highlights. There's a lot of length, a lot of finesse in his game. And he's not like trotting down the court. Like he's moving up and down the court at that size. So when you pair his eventual size with that modern athleticism and length, it really becomes the ideal left tackle candidate uh, for, for any offensive scheme. And I think the weight will come in very short order once Connerly gets on campus, which I, I hear is pretty soon anyway. So he'll have plenty of time to bulk up. Uh, I'm not as concerned about that, that 283 listing as maybe others are, but it is still something to keep an eye on for sure. And he's a guy who played on the defensive side of the ball as well. And when you look at the scouting reports on him, they say he would have gotten power five offers to play defensive end or, or maybe defensive tackle at, at that size. Do you think that as an offensive lineman who has reps on the other side of the ball and not just a handful, but extensive ones from, from what I've come to understand, do you think that's an advantage as an offensive lineman? You sort of have that instinct of, you know, how he's going to make this move or how he wants to, you know, approach the scheme or, or little, the little stuff like that that plays in the mental side of it. I always look for elite prospects that play on the other, other side of the ball that counter their projected position. Receivers who play DB, linebackers who play running back, O-linemen who play D-line. I mean, it's just a natural uh, progression uh, of understanding. And I think it gets you on the field that much sooner because you have that, that foundation intellectually to say, hey, I do know what is coming my way. I do know if, if my responsibility is to reach block on this play, I know what the defensive counterpoint is supposed to be as a defensive lineman when I'm getting reached uh, on the backside. So that is something that, that gives you an invaluable amount uh, of knowledge and experience. And, and those are the kind of things that help you 
make up for time, which is the one thing that is really against Connerly at this point. He's not an early enrollee. He's a summer guy who's coming in who needs to put on that weight. So how else is he going to cut corners and, and maybe see the field a little bit sooner uh, than maybe having that on-field experience on defense can help him uh, trim the margin there a little bit? Well, Connerly was one of the wins that, that the Duck fans have, have gotten, and we're certainly happy to have him. But it looked like we we're going to be getting a five-star quarterback in the class of 2023, Nico Iamaleava. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. That's how I've been mostly pronouncing it since I started talking about him here on the show. He goes to Tennessee. We've already gotten into all that here on the show. You can go back and listen if you want. But one of the next quarterback names in the class of 23 that's being thrown out there associated with the Ducks is Jaden Rashada from Pittsburgh, California. So what what's sort of the status of his recruitment? Because it I, I haven't heard any news as of late. Now, you're, of course, the insider. That's why we bring you on. So maybe you've, you've got some, some intel there that, that I've not been able to track down. But what's the latest on his recruiting, kind of where he's leading, and where's Oregon in that mix? Well, he just visited Miami. Arkansas is next up this weekend. And then he wants to get to Oregon sometime after that. I'm not sure if the date is actually set for his return to the Ducks, but he does want to see uh, what that program looks like uh, early here in, in 2022, uh, it's going to be a wide open battle for Rashada. I think Ole Miss is in the mix there as well. Uh, Florida recently offered him uh, a scholarship. UCLA has been talking to him. There's a lot of schools that obviously want to play in for another 6'4", 6'5", kid with, with a huge, huge right arm. Um, and I think that's why he might be able to take his time. You know, he said LSU is trying to get him on campus. There's a lot of schools that are looking to, to pull him in on an unofficial or official visit. And I think that's sort of the next frontier for us figuring out who's really in the mix is when he starts to take those official visits. Now, some recruits have started to take them in April, but I think Jaden's one that's going to wait till June to take those official visits. And I think that's around the window. We're going to start to see things narrow down in the race for his services. But if you had to sort of pen it out right now, I would think Oregon, Ole Miss, uh, and Miami would probably be the three teams that I would give, you know, the best chance to land Rashada. But again, that list could expand as other schools try to get involved, uh, especially as these other quarterbacks come off the board. You know, Christopher Vizina came off the board this week, another guy that had a lot of uh, schools down south heavily interested, just like uh, Jaden Rashada has. So those dominoes continue to fall, and that could potentially add more suitors to the list for Rashada. But in a perfect world, he told us he would be committed before his senior season, but uh, he's not going to rush into it if if it gets a little confusing with the amount uh, of suitors that he has uh, still courting him as this year progresses. But I do think Oregon is absolutely one of those schools that's going to stay in the mix. And if he wants to stay on the West Coast, I think the Ducks have the best shot. Well, there's another Jaden that I want to ask you about, but first I want to tell you about Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Maybe you could even look at a futures bet on where Jaden Rashada is going to commit. I don't know. They've got everything nowadays. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. The other Jaden that the Ducks are looking at in the class of 2023 is on the other side of the ball, and he's out of the state of Washington where the Ducks got a couple really high-caliber players this year, Davey Uli and Josh Connerly, the offensive lineman, but a guy who maybe, and Duck fans hope one day, will be going against them in practice is Jaden Wayne, five-star defensive end from the Seattle area. What are you hearing with, with his recruitment and, and where Oregon stands on him? 
I think he might be the most well-traveled kid in the country. I mean, he's been to like every single campus, it seems like. He was just at Alabama once again for another visit, and, and he's publicly said that the Crimson Tide is in the lead for his services, but there's no timetable. This thing could extend all the way to National Signing Day with, with a kid of his caliber. Schools are going to shoot their shot all the way through the process, so it's no foregone conclusion. He ends up uh, in, in, in there in Tuscaloosa. Oregon is in the mix here. Washington, of course, you know, the local school USC has gotten him back on campus recently. I think LSU was his most recent visit before that. I mean, it, it is a truly well-traveled recruit. I think Florida and Georgia at one point were in the mix here, Ohio State. It is really a who's who list of schools yeah. after Jaden Wayne. But again, you go to the recent success and you start to think about, who who Oregon has on staff here defensively, right? Obviously, Dan Landing, a defensive-minded head coach. You go to Tosh Lupoy, who individually on the West Coast, one of the best position recruiters maybe in, in the modern era. You know, he's been in the NFL the last several years, so so we're learning more about his his maybe refined style. Uh, but, but obviously, there's a, a strong track record there as well. So I do think that Oregon is going to stay in this race uh, for the duration. Uh, but that's the key. You know, how long is Jaden going to take his recruitment into into this year? Uh, but but he's well-traveled. I'm sure he'll be back on campus at Oregon uh, again sometime soon. But at some point, a kid's got to start to narrow his list. And, and I do think the Ducks make that cut whenever he makes it. Well, if he didn't have the chance to travel and see the country when he was a kid growing up, sounds like he's had the chance to to see it all. Was that Louisiana, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, or what was the other? There was another big name school that I'm missing in there. USC, yeah. USC. I mean, he's oh been everywhere. He's, he's he's everywhere. But you expect the Ducks to be to be thoroughly in in the mix for him. I do, I do. I, I think you know that the proximity to home uh, is going to factor in at some point, um, especially as as the season draws near. You know, I think. When you start to talk about external factors that that really don't come from the schools themselves, I think that's where a school like Oregon can really position itself. You know, it's no secret that NIL is playing a big part in in every single school's recruiting process, but they can't pitch it themselves. This comes from people outside of of that football building. Uh, But a school like Oregon, we know, has a a great uh, set of resources there, and I think NIL will help a school like Oregon relative to the Blue Bloods that are already there near the top of everybody's list when it comes to recruiting. So I do think Oregon has staying power with a lot of elite recruits and and they've been getting a lot of them on campus. I think that's the mark of an elite recruiting program. It starts really simply with logistics. You have to get elite kids on campus and Oregon's been doing a great job of that. And and I don't think without that second visit, I don't think they would have gotten a a commitment from Josh Connerly. I think that return trip to Oregon just before he wrapped things up really helped him, you know, gain some clarity before he went public with that verbal commitment. So uh, Oregon's doing a great job on the front end, and we'll see how it develops thereafter. Well, that's good to hear for for all the Duck fans out there. Last question here for John Garcia, Jr., the director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated. A lot has been made of this Oregon Ducks 2022 football recruiting class. Me personally, I've been more than pleased with, with how the staff has performed. You know, you have Cristobal and everyone leave. And then landing is hired, I believe it was sometime in, in January, or it was announced. I don't even remember. It was, you know, a lifetime ago. But they take over mid-cycle. The recruiting class had fallen down into the 50s and 60s nationally. Now with Connerly as the headliner recruit and the only five-star in the class, it's up in the, the top 15, 20 range, somewhere in there, depending on 
where you look. But when you look at, at this class of recruits for the Ducks, a lot of times what happens is, you know, we talk about all these guys and the potential that they have, and sometimes that pans out and sometimes it does not. But who are the guys that, that you think, maybe one guy in particular who you think could have the biggest impact as a freshman in the class of 2022 for Oregon? Like which, which guy are we going to be talking about most in the fall? Look back and say, Oh man, remember when he committed, boy, that seems to be going really well. What, who's the one guy? Well, it's, it's still hard to go away from Connerly. You mentioned the, the position being secure on the offensive line, but you know, as the season progresses, there is going to be some attrition there. It's just the nature uh, of the sport of football. So I think mid season to late season, I do think we'll hear more, about a Josh Connolly on the front end. Uh, you mentioned Jaleel Florence off air. You know, I think there's a lot of turnover there in the secondary and guys have changed positions. You know, I covered Tricris Bridges out of high school in the Alabama area. He's moving from what, from corner to safety now. So there's more nickel spots available. There's more diversity that we might see with an aggressive Dan Landing type defense uh, for Oregon. So I think there could be some spots there in the back seven linebackers and secondary where some true freshmen can potentially make a stronger impact. So I would look there as well. But it's really hard to bet against Connerly. There's a reason that so many people legitimately reserved that spot for him as long as he wanted to take the recruiting process. Connerly, Florence, I mean, those are definitely two of the, the headliner recruits. One, one more quick question that I didn't prep you for ahead of time, but I, I trust you, John. Is there a sleeper in this class that, that you can think of, like for, for the Ducks? Is one guy like, hey, he's flying a little under the radar, but don't be surprised if he's a you know three-star guy who pops or a low rate of four-star or, or any guy like that? I don't have a name for you specifically, Spencer, but when you transition from one coaching staff to the next, there is a, a, a different feel for the guys who are, quote-unquote, your guys. As for Dan Landing, obviously – the guys who signed with the Ducks in the class of 2022, particularly in February and, and in Connor Lee's case in, in April, those are the guys that, you know, when push comes to shove, those are the ones you're going to be uh, linked to more closely. So I would suspect that all things even, one of these lower rated guys would emerge later in the year, particularly, again, you're talking about a new defensive scheme, whole new offense, a new quarterback leading the show, regardless of, of who wins that job. I do expect some some younger guys to splash, especially as the season progresses. I'm going to circle back with you on that one, though, no doubt. All right. Well, I guess we'll just have to have you back on the show then. Justin so. Garcia, Jr. <laughs> of Sports Illustrator, the director of recruiting. Appreciate you coming on for your inaugural visit here on Locked on Ducks. Thanks for having me, Spencer. I appreciate everyone listening and watching. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.